If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Well, hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 186 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on the 25th day of June in the year 2023 on a blazing hot June day. The humidity is through the roof. The air is quite frankly hard to even breathe, and this is coming from someone who loves the heat, so that is when you know. But guys, we have got a lot to do today. I'll start off by saying it is great to be back after taking off last week again for Father's Day. I hope all the dads out there, at least the ones worth a damn, had a happy Father's Day. (laughs) Mine, of course, being one of them. Spent the whole day with my dad, and it was a great day at that, and I hope the rest of the solid dads out there had the great days that they deserved. So last Sunday was Father's Day. We did take a one-week hiatus because of that. We have not spoken since, what is it, June 8th? I think it was two Sundays ago. Yeah, the the 18th, no, yeah, the 18th and the 11th, June 11th, I'm sorry. So that's the last time we've spoken, guys. And to say a lot has happened since then is probably the understatement of the century. I know I make a lot of understatements of the century, but that is yet another. There's a lot to talk about today, especially because we haven't spoken for two weeks. But even if we did speak just last week, there would still be a lot to talk about because the truth is a lot of crap has happened with this team, particularly in Judge's absence. And Judge's absence has resulted in, quite frankly, what the episode title is for today, the ultimate test. I call it the ultimate test for a lot of different reasons. It's the ultimate test to see what this team is without their leader. Because, of course, Judge is dealing with this toe problem right now. It seems like he is not going to be back anytime soon, which we will get to later in the show. But it's a test to see what they are without their leader, and it's a test of character to see which guy or guys are capable of stepping up in his absence. And the answer to this question, the ultimate test, the answer to who can do these things, is quite frankly just about nobody. And how have they done with the test as far as passing and failing on the whole despite getting a very nice victory today which again we will get to and I'm not taking anything away from that victory they have failed and when you want to talk about that I mean where do you even begin and the sad thing is is that I can hear a lot of toxic positivity people out there already shaming me about three minutes into this episode because I am being quote-unquote negative after the team had a nice win today and actually took a series from a team considered to have one of the better offenses in the sport. And you know what? You might have a little bit of a leg to stand on with that. Yes, they had a nice win today. I even admitted that. They did a very good job with taking the series, and they were able to therefore have at least a 500 home stand this past week against both the Mariners and the Rangers. They won both series best two out of three. You are not incorrect with that. I'm talking about on the whole since the captain has been hurt. That's what I'm talking about. 
and quite frankly today being one of the only days worth a damn as far as the offense, my points that I'm about to mention are still very valid. I'm very happy they managed to mount a comeback and show some signs of life in the eighth inning of today's game, not taking anything away from that, but it's just a matter of telling the truth the way that it has been for weeks now with this team. And when it comes to that, I again, I just don't even know where to truly begin. I'll try to hammer out as many things as I possibly can. This is probably going to be another really long, drawn-out intro, which has really extended a lot of my episodes of late, having really long, drawn-out intros. But I think today is going to have to be yet another one, especially, again, because we have not spoken in a couple of weeks. So that's just going to be the way it is, guys. So strap yourselves in, get your favorite drink, favorite food, and enjoy. You could start with, and this has been a massive topic of discussion, since a lot of guys have come back from injury, especially in Judge's absence, when this team needs as much offense as it could possibly get their hands on. Load management, rotating days off, all that horse crap the Yankees have had the tendency to do for a long time. And yes, I've had other fan bases enlighten me, even of late, that the Yankees are not the only ones who do this. Fair enough. Your organization deserves to be called out for it too then, because it is very, very annoying, and quite frankly nonsensical, because especially considering the fact where the Yankees are concerned, and other fan bases can shed some light on this too as far as their own organizations when they see them do it, but the Yankees do this as if to believe that this is going to protect the health of the players any more than it does. But the only issue is, And you know the certain guys that I'm talking about, depends on the player. But with the vast majority of them who have this done with them, this these rotating days off and this load management with rest days, it doesn't help anything. The guys still get hurt regardless. I love them both to death. But a couple of guys who really exemplify this sort of a thing are two big names, Harrison Bader and Giancarlo Stanton. No matter how many days you give them off, no matter how many times you rotate the days off and they happen to be the couple of guys to be in the middle of this thing on certain given days, they still get hurt constantly. And not they're not the only ones on the team who experience this either. With the vast majority of guys on this team who are injury prone, no matter how many times the Yankees do this for them, they still manage to get hurt. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't help anything. And there's no purpose to it. And I'm so tired. I'm so freaking tired of listening to people defending this crap. Because that's what it is. It's crap. And you need to be able to think critically and realize that you are being fed crap when they try to convince you that this works. It doesn't. Especially in a period of time where the team is starving for offense. More than I am my mom's fresh Sunday pasta every weekend. If the guys just came back from injury, you need to be playing them. So they could be providing any and all chance for the team to get any and all offense they can get their hands on. So they have a chance to contribute. And most often time, and I've said this many times as well, a lot of the times where these guys get the day off, well, guess what? If the game is close, they still end up coming into it later on via pinch hitting anyway. So what was the point? So you've got that and the fact that it doesn't prevent any sort of injuries with these already injury-prone players. Some of them, again, whom I love a great deal, but you got to call a spade a spade. They're injury-prone. 
There's just still no deviation from any sort of strategies, regardless of the in-game situation. This is something we've spoken about a crap ton as well. Complete and utter anemic offense that continues to be an absolute chore to watch. Again, I'm glad they came back today. It was fun to see that late-game comeback. Finally, good to see some freaking fire in an otherwise completely flatlined team of late. And outside of today, this team could not even dream of scoring more than three freaking runs in a game. And since June 4th, <laughs> they looked like they were on their way to be 6-11 and after today's game, but they're now 7-10, and still not good, well under 500. Since June 4th, and Judge got hurt just before that at the end of the Dodgers series, of course, so for virtually the entire month outside of a couple of days, Judge has been out, so really how this team is without him, well, the month of June is a really good window of time for them to prove what they are or aren't without the captain, and they've proven that they're really not much. Heading into today before the win, and again, always glad to see a win, them taking a series, but like I told you, complete and utterly anemic offense in the month of June since June 4th, and there were only a couple of games in the entire month before that, so do with that what you will, but they are literally bottom of the not only league, but sport in a handful of offensive categories, being runs per game heading into today, being three, averaging three runs a game. So me saying before that they cannot even dream of scoring more than three runs in a game outside of today, of course, is not a, an over-exaggeration or a lie of any kind. It's actually true. Last in the sport with that. Batting average, 193, last in the sport. On base percentage, 255, last in the sport. OPS, 595, last in the sport. All right, these are a handful of vital offensive categories. And there have been plenty of instances, too, where they lose a game simply because they don't do what they're best at, hitting home runs. And while I certainly value putting the bat on the ball, you cannot deny that the Yankees are usually vastly successful when they are hitting the ball out of the ballpark. And when you look at most periods of time, when the Yankees are slumping, they're probably not hitting many home runs in that time span. Because whether you like it or not, that's a massive basis of what the Yankees are surrounded upon. Home runs. They're not even really hitting many of those either. You look all around the league to see who's leading the league in home runs, who's leading the league in RBIs, all this stuff. No Yankee players anywhere near any of these categories. Nobody. And as I just went through with you, almost all of the major categories offensively, they're just nowhere to be found. Complete dead last. And the ones they're not in dead last with, they're damn near dead last. And it's July in a few days, guys. This is no small sample size. This is almost an entire month's worth of evidence. Even runs scored. Just dead last. After Friday. And they only scored one yesterday. And then they scored the five today. But heading into today, that cause wasn't helped either. That's another category in which they're just dead last in. They don't score. And if you don't score, you don't win. Today, they scored, and guess what? Wow, they won. Who would have thought? It's, it's just maddening. 
You look at this team, the way they're constructed, the payroll they have, and how exposed a collection of people could be with the loss of one person. Granted that one person is the best player in baseball, but still one person. And they showed the look that he has on his face, and of course nobody ever admit this, but if I were Aaron Judge and I was looking at this, I'd just be like, well, this puts even more pressure on my shoulders than there already was. Because look at what these guys do when I'm not around. So, I mean, if all of these statistics and realizations about where they are categorically when compared to literally all other teams in baseball, whether they're good or bad, and you have teams like the Oakland A's out there, that the Yankees are worse than in this month in certain categories. It's embarrassing. (laughs) It really is. But if that's not enough for you, well, then let's go through the entire offense. You want coverage? I'll give you coverage. Let's go up and down the lineup. Glaber Torres, let's start from the top. I mean, he's just unfortunately his own worst enemy. And the first inning of today's game and all the times he didn't come through in vital offensive spots today, I mean, especially the, the base running mistake earlier in the game, him being his own worst enemy, it just serves as a fine example of many as to why that is. Yeah, he's still hanging in there with the bat. He slowed down a bit offensively again recently, and he didn't really come through when they absolutely needed him to today in many situational spots. But especially from a base running and fielding standpoint, he's just, he's back to making his mental mistakes that we've always spoken about that he has a tendency to make. At times, very often, multiple times throughout a game, where you say, oh my god, that was absolutely horrible, it can't happen, but it can't possibly get worse than that. And then within that game, he'll manage to outdo it. The focus just seems to not be there, and that can be a problem, especially depending on the situation. And on a consistent basis, it just can't happen the way it does as a Major League Baseball player at the rate it does with him at times, and it happens quite a bit. I have been a staunch defender of Glaber Torres at times, but when things like this happen, he doesn't give me much of a leg to stand on when it comes to defending him, because it's not acceptable. But also you remember a time where not too long ago, especially right after Judge went down, there was a time where the Yankees legit wouldn't score even a single run without him when he was putting in the work offensively. So he's done his thing with the bat in the last couple of weeks overall, like I said before, that's what I meant by that. But the mental lapses that we've seen for years now, yet again resurfacing here in 2023, especially at a point in time where the Yankees cannot afford it, again... He's truly his own worst enemy, Glaber Torres. He 100% is. If he just paid attention more and had more awareness out there, I mean, the potential he could unlock. His own worst enemy. Harrison Bader, he's the reason the Yankees got the lead back today, and he continues to be that spark plug. He just got back from his hamstring problem just a few days ago, so the main thing for him is just staying on the field, honestly. That's his biggest thing. But he gives you the defense... That spark plug presence gives you the big hits like he did today. And when he gets on a tear offensively, you got to watch out. But, I mean, it's tough to really truly judge him as of now since he, again, only recently just returned from his latest problem being the hamstring injury. But 
You know what he gives the team. He's a big spark plug. Like I said, even before the first time he came back when people were saying, oh, how much could he possibly really bring to this team? It's Harrison Bader, not Aaron Judge. I'm not saying he was Aaron Judge, but he would definitely bring something back to the team because of the positive attributes he provides. And that's exactly what he does. And that's what he did today, giving the Yankees the lead back. Or I shouldn't say back because they didn't have the lead before that. But giving the Yankees a lead in a game they surely looked like they were on their way to losing yet again. So Bader... A positive, if I had to say. One of very few right now. Giancarlo Stanton. Another big hit in the end of the game today to add on a little bit of insurance right after Bader's hit. And I like how he did it right after they decided to intentionally walk Anthony Rizzo, so make them pay for that. I'm all for that. But, (laughs) if you've been following me for a while, or even just recently, well then you probably know how much I love Giancarlo Stanton. But I also always say it, you can't let bias get in the way of being objective and telling the truth regardless of the player you're talking about, especially in Judge's absence. We have seen this guy put the entire team on his back before and run sprints while doing so. He's an offensive X factor. Some might even say the offensive X factor. And we know how he needs to adjust after missing a lot of time after all these injuries. He's always done that. How brutal his readjustment time usually is. But unfortunately right now, at a time when the Yankees could least afford to be enduring it, when in that time it's going to be looked upon and harped on even more so because of how offense-starved this team is, his performance has been abysmal. Outside of today, when he had the one hit, he was 6 for 55 heading into today's game since his return. 6 for 55. Utterly unacceptable. I'm very glad he got that late game hit today. I hope that starts a tear for him. But up to today, again, it's my job to come on here and tell you how it's been leading up to today since we haven't spoken the last two weeks. And his performance had been utterly unacceptable. And he's going to have to continue it to try to get better and build upon what he did late in today's game. Because one hit and then another 0 for 20 after this ain't going to cut it. If he doesn't continue on this good path and make something out of what he did late in today's game, then the hit in today's game is not going to be looked back upon very much by anybody. Nobody's going to care. I just have to say, though, he's been amongst the most lost I have ever seen him. And that says a lot because he's hit a lot of cold streaks, especially after every time he's come back from injury. He's hit a lot of them. I have almost never, probably if ever, seen him more lost than he does right now. The pitch recognition is completely gone. And if the Yankees have any plans at all to stay afloat somehow until Judge comes back, which they have not done because, again, they are an under 500 team without him, If they have any legitimate plans to stay afloat, they are going to need Giancarlo to wake up. If anyone similar to Judge in any way can lessen the devastating, lethal blow of his absence, it's Giancarlo Stanton. And again, he's non-existent. Can't continue. It just can't. Not if they have plans to stay afloat. DJ... Had some good swings in today's game. Made a nice play in the field. He always does well defensively for the most part, not questioning that. But with the bat, on the whole, continues to struggle massively. He has been a victim of bad luck at times, 
throughout these last couple of weeks, but that cannot be worked as an excuse. It can't be. Heading into today in his prior 30 games, batting 177, I think they said on the Yes Network in the pregame. Unacceptable. Like I said, he's had his good couple of days sprinkled into there, but his gameplay on the whole can't happen. Can't happen. He had his average years in Colorado back in the day, and he hasn't quite been the same here since 2020. 2022 last year was solid at times, but this is the worst I've ever seen him. He's a catalyst to this lineup himself. He's too important. What the Yankees want to accomplish cannot be achieved without him. And if this kind of gameplay continues on a consistent basis, if he doesn't continue to build on the encouraging signs we saw in today's game, for example, it's all going to be for naught. If it continues, again, that much less of a chance of this team doing absolutely anything. So three or four key hitters there, done with, analyzed. It's the same message as before. If you're without judge and you don't have your big guys coming through, the team is not going anywhere. And that has come to fruition in these last couple of weeks amidst this anemic offense because look at their record without Aaron Judge. Hence all the points I've tried to make. How about we go over (laughs) Josh Donaldson? I mean, outside of a few unimportant home runs a while ago now, it just continues to be a nightmare. What else is there to say? I don't have much else to say at this point anymore. I just only hope that for the sake of both sides that a DFA isn't too far down the line. I surely blame Donaldson for completely falling off in his entire time here with the Yankees. It's on him. But it's also crept into the territory now of it being the organization's fault at this point with not just cutting the cord and putting an end to something that's clearly not going to work and wasn't going to work for quite a while now. Guys, 8 for 64 this year with a two-month injury in between. And you factor in that 2022 was a disgrace. Uh, What can you even say anymore? I mean, he's not even in a game for the third day in a row today, despite the Yankees saying that he needs consistency to get right. (laughs) So he needs consistency to get right. And then you yourselves... The only ones on the planet, I would say at this point, advocating for this guy, decide not to put him in the lineup for the third game in a row. (laughs) This team's funny, man. I don't even know if they buy the crap that they spew half the time, but they're often good for a laugh. I'll give them that. (laughs) So if consistency is really the main means for him getting right in the game, then what's he doing out of the lineup for a third game in a row? I'm not complaining. I don't think he is anywhere close to the answer for this offense waking up. I'm just saying, if you're going to stand by the things that you spew to the media and the public, then don't do the complete opposite. (laughs) And Boone and everyone within the organization always advocates for him and all the players as usual. I mean, let's be honest. We all have to know this by now. Their chances of not advocating for players to the media, regardless of what they do, are the same chances of me becoming the president of this country someday. But anyhow, despite their positive rhetoric, I think the not playing 
indicates a DFA might not be very far, in my opinion, or at least not as far away as some of us may think. But it was also very interesting because I waited to start the podcast until I watched this in the post game because there was word that after Aaron Boone talked Josh Donaldson up and everything in the pregame, uh, there was word that Donaldson went to the stadium today and he marched past the media saying, I basically don't have any time to talk. Went basically to Boone's office right away, made a beeline for Boone's office. They spoke for a while and Boone, who apparently is very punctual, about being on time for his meets with the media and his press conferences and all that, was at least a half an hour late because he and Donaldson's conversation went that long. And it got all of us thinking, well, what could that mean? They were talking for that long, he's not in the lineup today, and there was word mid-game that he's not in the dugout, and then there was word that he was going to meet the media after the game. So people, including myself, were saying, what the hell is going to happen? People were even speculating he was going to retire. I don't really, I didn't really take it that far. I was saying, oh, maybe, you know, who knows? I didn't want to definitively say it, though. I, I just thought the timing was a little strange. But then he takes to the media after the game and basically reinforces that, oh, you know, a lot of it was just regular ball talk and, you know, we're on the same page. And, and the media was trying to get details about it. And Donaldson, this is the reason why I just don't like the guy. I don't like him. The media is asking questions, trying to get information, because whether or not he likes it, it was unusual for Boone to be that late, because everyone says how punctual he usually is, and he was significantly late to meet the media. And the reason for that being was that there was an extremely long conversation in Boone's office between him and Aaron Boone. And given the context of how brutally he has done since returning from his injury outside of, again, a few unimportant home runs, it would beg to question what the conversation would be about, what made it go so long, and if you guys are preaching this positivity, was there possibly negativity before? And these were all questions asked to Josh, and he insinuated that the media was making more out of this than what it really was. They're asking you questions, Josh. What happened before the game and you not being in the dugout at one point or possibly throughout the entire game? I don't really know all the details on that. All I know there were reporters on Twitter saying that Donaldson's not in the dugout and that he was going to meet the media after the game, it sounded really odd. And it looked really odd given the context of what's going on with you currently. So how could you blame the media or accuse them or accuse us, the fans, of wanting to know what was going on there? Oh, you know, you guys are just trying to make more out of it than it really is. Well, I don't know if you forgot where you are, Josh, but you are in New York. Whether or not it's right or wrong, the media is going to be up your ass. (laughs) They want information. The fans want information. Now, him and the Yankees are entitled to as much privacy as they want. And they don't have to share the details. But to go to the media and being like, whoa, you guys are making more out of it than it really is. They're just asking you questions, Josh. They want to know what the hell happened. And want to see if anything's there given what's been going on with you. You've been absolutely horrible. You're not in the lineup for the third day in a row. You weren't seen in the dugout. You were in an extremely long meeting with the manager of the team, and you're saying you're going to meet the media after the game. So you'll have to forgive some people for being curious and really questioning whether or not what you said is true about it just being all personal conversation and life stuff. So he's being like standoffish and really weird with the media as well. I just don't understand. I can't understand. How there are still people out there defending this guy. I don't get it. 
Is it just me? I don't have an agenda for this guy. I don't have an agenda for any player. I want every player on this team to succeed so that the team I root for succeeds. And yet I still have people out here telling me that I'm constantly negative at times. It doesn't happen as often anymore because some people with a brain see the light. But I have some people out here telling me that I'm, I'm negative and I have an agenda for Donaldson and that doesn't allow me to see clearly. What evidence is there for you? The hill that you have chosen to die on for this guy has collapsed. And regardless of what the Yankees tell you about being on the same page and being positive, they just sat him for a third day in a row today despite saying, oh yeah, he's going to need some consistency. we got to play him a lot more for him to get right. Well, then why are they sitting him? Folks, actions speak louder than words. And the Yankees have off again tomorrow, and I don't know if Donaldson will be in the lineup again come Tuesday. I mean, maybe he will be, maybe he won't be. If he isn't, then that would again look even weirder given their statements of saying, oh, he needs consistency. But guys, I mean, come on. The situation with him has just gotten to such a point. He's 8 for 64. And that doesn't mean I'm exonerating anybody else struggling on the team. I just got done talking about Stanton and plenty, and I'm going to continue after this Donaldson spiel. I'm holding everybody accountable. So don't misunderstand me with just talking a lot about Josh Donaldson. It needs to be spoken about, especially with all the crap that happened today in the media. I'm not exonerating anybody, and this isn't just me just really focusing in on Donaldson only. It's just because a lot happened with him today. Otherwise, I would have just said that, yeah, he's 8 for 64, and he continues to stink. It would have been the same rundown as everybody else, but stuff happened with him today. It's not about an agenda. It's just things happening, and I come on here as a Yankees content creator to talk about it. So just to try to shut down all of the undying Donaldson defenders out there, and if you want to defend him, then fine. The only thing I have an issue with is being told that I'm somehow ridiculous for not thinking that this guy is any sort of an answer for this team. How could you possibly call me ridiculous for saying that I don't think this guy is an answer for this offense or just for this team overall? If you want to neglect the truth and just call me a hater and call me negative and run from me or just block me or try to paint me in a bad light for telling the truth, that's a you problem. (laughs) That's not a me problem. What's happened with him has happened, whether you like it or not. And I'm going to come on this show and talk about it. I'm going to go on Twitter and talk about it on my account. Nobody says you have to follow or listen to me or agree with what I say. Nobody. You can do whatever you want. You're your own person. This is what's happening with Donaldson. And again, I think at this point, a good amount of the blame falls on the organization at this point in time now for not just cutting the cord. Some people say 64 at-bats isn't enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. How long are you willing to go? Hmm? The Yankees need offense. Not someone to hit a solo shot down by 10. But let's move on before I get accused of being a Donaldson hater any more than I probably already am. And I know that more people agree with me than disagree with me on this subject, but believe it or not, you would be surprised But there are people out there who still say these things to me and defend Donaldson, calling me ridiculous. And I would have proof of it if you want to see it on Twitter. That's all I'm trying to say, and I will show you if you want to see it. But otherwise, yeah, point I'm trying to make overall is still horrendous, Josh Donaldson. Anthony Rizzo. 
Love him too. We know this. But again, this is yet another example of me not exonerating a single person of blame. But until just the last few games or so where we finally started to see some better swings out of the guy, he also slumped worse than just about I have ever seen him do, not just in his time with the Yankees, but in his career. Now, he obviously started off his age 33 season this year looking better than almost ever, much to mine and everyone's thrill. But even he fell hard. It's actually quite amazing to me. It's pretty remarkable how all of the most important hitters who could really help ease the devastating blow of losing Judge have since collectively managed to have their worst offensive stretches in their Yankee tenures. It's actually almost impressive how they could have achieved such a thing. Just at the time that they absolutely could not afford to. I mean, oftentimes you have some people slumping and some carrying it for the time being, just doing the thing and getting the team by, just keeping them afloat while the others slump and find their way. And you get those beautiful times where everybody's hitting on all cylinders. But how they all totally fell apart when Judge went down is just the definition of unacceptable. It really is. He's not coming back soon, guys, so you got to figure it out or you risk losing the season. I don't really know how else to put it any easier than that. You don't score, you don't win. And as I established before, they are literally the worst in the entire sport in a handful of offensive categories. And in nearly all others that they're not, they're damn near close to dead last. You can't win many games at all by a score of one to nothing like you did yesterday, guys. That's uh, not common at all that you win a game the way they did yesterday. Well, let's continue on. You got Jose Trevino. Offensively, he seems to have completely reverted to his Texas days where he did little to nothing at all with the bat. And even his defense has been strangely off at times recently. So if that starts to happen, if that continues, I mean, he would unfortunately at that point not really have much value at all. I did see he picked off a runner very nicely, throwing to first base today. That was uh, Tavares in the fourth inning, I believe. Trevino picked him off. On a throw back down to first, so that was very nice. Not going to take that away from him, but on the whole, I mean, his defense has been really weird back there at times of late, so he's got to correct that because if you're not going to hit, you at least need to have that elite defense that we've known Trevino to have for most of his career. He's always been a good defender, so if that falls off, then, I mean, he's even become a bigger problem in his own right because of these things. I mean, the biggest plus for him at this point is that Garrett Cole likes to throw to him. If you look at Higashioka, the backup, believe it or not, lately he's been preferred at times. I mean, these days, if you had to choose who might give you a big hit offensively in a big spot between the two of them, even though I'm still not his biggest fan, it's probably Higgy. And in the meantime, our eyes continue to turn to whether or not we could possibly see Austin Wells from down in the minors anytime soon. Probably not, since he's only seen double-A at the most. But he's tearing it up down in the minors. Promising prospect. But, you know, eyes turn to the potential future. In times like this. Volpe, I mean, he's still figuring it out. Got a big hit that started the 8th inning rally today. Gotta give him that. And yes, my patience with kids is extremely long. Just like his, my patience still has not completely run out with him, believe it or not. As 
a lot of other people's has, but mine actually has not, believe it or not. I've been very consistent with that week by week. You can even listen back to the last episode two weeks ago when I said the same thing. My patience has still managed to not run out with Anthony Volpe. It has run thin, but it has not run out yet. But one also at the same time, I have to say, also cannot help but realize simultaneously that it's July in a few days. The season is damn near at its halfway point, guys. It's crazy to think about, but it already is. And Volpe gets his big hits every now and again, like he did today. He gets his big hits and comes through. He does have 10 home runs, but overall, walks still overall down. The hits overall, they don't come very often. The strikeouts are still way up. He often flails at pitches, whether they be down the middle or in the dirt. Doesn't shorten up his swing on two strikes whatsoever. He's not getting on base much as a result of all that, and when he does, for some reason, we have also noticed, he's not running as much anymore. The stolen bases have completely and utterly plateaued. And these are all things that he just still has to work on. On the whole, defensively, he's been fine. Occasional mistakes, which are to be expected, but particularly with the bat is especially where he needs to just continue to get there. I love the kid, but it's nearly July. You can't help but notice that. The sample size is just growing as the days continue to pass us. And he did make some batting stance adjustments that yielded some good results in the last couple of weeks at times, but that's got to continue. It hasn't happened enough. Patience still not totally out, but it hasn't happened enough. Got to keep it up. And Jake Bowers and Billy McKinney. How about we talk about them for a second? It's crazy to say, considering that they, like many others these last few years in their respective seasons, weren't even remote thoughts at the start of this season. But, I mean, where would they be without them? It's crazy to think about or even say that, but Bowers continues to just come up big and flash some power in quite a few big spots. And McKinney, I mean, (laughs) Billy McKinney, since the last time we spoke, I mean, it was only a little bit after Judge's injury. And McKinney came up after Judge's injury, so we, we didn't get to talk about him that much, on this show at least. But he has been incredible. Had some terrific catches in the outfield, moves pretty well out there, and with the bat, I mean, he's just hitting bombs like it's no one's business. He obviously started here years ago. He's hopped around a bunch of teams like we spoke about last time, and he's had his minor league stints as well. But without him, if it's even possible, especially before today this offense would be in even worse shape than it's already been in. You look at IKF, he continues to do his thing with utility, doing whatever the team asks of him, being a team player, remaining accountable, and doing just whatever he can. And that's why he's earned a fan in me and so many others as a utility guy. He just continues to do his thing. Waldo, Oswaldo Cabrera, I mean, whenever he gets his playing time, Since having to be called back up after Willie Calhoun's injury, I mean, the bat has remained silent, but on defense and in pinch running appearances like today, you know, he's still as versatile as ever, just doing whatever he can. And, uh, have we hit on everyone offensively? How about that for covering a team? (laughs) Uh, So you get the gist. Particularly since Judge went down. I mean, and yes, I know a lot of people, again, are going to tell me that I'm being overly negative, especially considering the fact the Yankees had a nice win today. I already gave that disclaimer earlier in the show. I'm aware of that, and I give them credit for that late-game comeback today. I'm not stripping them of any credit when it comes to that. But the truth has to be told about what the situation has been like literally just up until today. 
And this has been the deal, guys. We haven't spoken in two weeks on the show. That's the way it is. So up until today, and I hope it continues to be better like today when they managed to put up five runs for the first time in God knows how long, but especially considering the fact that they have two not-so-great teams coming up, to say the least, in the A's and the Cardinals coming up, two struggling teams, hopefully, obviously, they continue what they managed to do today and show some signs of life, which they have not done in quite some time. But as much as I hate to say it, and as much as I hate doing mainly negative shows, guys, can't be denied that particularly since Judge went down, this offense has been absolutely dead in just about every imaginable way, particularly the guy's whose job it is to carry the weight of the team in his absence primarily, the vast majority of them may be outside of Harrison Bader, but even he was missing plenty of time with injury. But mainly outside of him for whenever he's playing at least, they have completely let the team down. And like I've said, without Judge, this team really shows just how little they have most of the time. Yeah, they have their moments like they did today, But on the whole, you can't ignore or deny it. It's concerning. Especially from an offensive standpoint. It's really bad. Especially for a team with a near $300 million payroll. That has to be mentioned too. And yet you have the front office and ownership doing their usual gaslighting of the media and fans, Cashman saying that they have a good team even without Aaron Judge, even though they're clearly and factually a sub-500 team that can't get out of their own way the vast majority of the time without him. You've got hitting coach Dylan Lawson virtually saying he doesn't care about stats as long as they're scoring enough to win, which they are not the vast majority of the time. And you had him addressing the Volpe situation a while back when he was batting around 200, but saying it was a quote-unquote professional 200, whatever in the hell that means. Basically constantly advocating for their process that you always hear them talking about, and to hell with results, I guess. The thing that actually matters. And then this past week, you got tone-deaf Hal Steinbrenner saying he's confused as to why fans are upset since it's just June as they are currently experiencing historic offensive lows throughout the entire month as a whole, and have again been a genuinely bad team without their captain. So again I ask, and I've said this countless times, do you see what I mean when I say that only getting rid of Boone or only getting rid of a hitting coach, even though I do believe that both should be gone for a fair share amount of reasons, but only getting rid of one or another, and yet keeping people like Cashman and having someone like Hal owning the team, do you see why I've always said that those things would do nothing to change anything? Don't you hear a commonality in their lingo? How they address situations? I've got an interesting analogy to describe it. It's like you're talking to the same person who split their spirit into four different bodies. Amongst the ones I just mentioned. The philosophies, again, go to the top. I don't know how many times I've said it. Or how many times I have to say it. Or how many times they all need to address the media before people realize this unfortunate fact. But if any legitimate change is going to be made from an organizational standpoint, it has to start at the top. 
period. That's also why little to no one respects Aaron Boone, and they only view him as nothing more than a puppet. I'm tired of repeating myself with this. Those are the reasons, and those are the facts for all of that. I mean, if you're tired of hearing about the negativity, you want some positives, well, here's some positives. Pitching. How about just a couple examples to prove that? How about today? Garrett Cole didn't have his best stuff. Yeah, he didn't even make it through five, just went four and two-thirds, which is a season low as far as length into a game. But despite not having anywhere close to his best stuff and really laboring and fighting out there to get as deep into it as he possibly could, having around 110 pitches after four and two-thirds, still only allowed three runs. The bullpen comes in after that, has to eat a crap ton of outs all the way through to the end, doesn't allow a single run for the rest of the game, keeping the offense in the game and giving them the opportunity to come back later on. Or how about from a perspective for the entire weekend overall? How about the pitching allowing the Texas Rangers, one of, again, the top offenses in baseball, to only score seven runs in the entire three-game series this weekend? The pitching has not been the problem. The vast majority of the time, They have not been. Of course, some go out and have their rough days every now and again, but that is inevitable. On the whole, they have not been the problem. They have been a big positive. The rotation is doing fine, with Seve even getting back on track yesterday after having been awful the prior few starts. I mean, at this point, at least as of the last couple of starts, it seems, especially after yesterday with Seve finally getting back on track, that he and Herman may have actually switched roles temporarily, with Herman now having had two bad starts in a row. But for the most part, even when they don't have their best, which is, again, like I said, inevitably going to happen every now and again, they do well. Gotta give him his props. Look how well Clark Schmidt has done in his last six starts. Pretty sure he's pitching to an under two ERA. How about making me eat my words of late? I have no problem doing that. Like I said, I admit when I'm wrong. Lately, he has made me eat my words. He's been doing very well. Bro just gets no run support. That's the only problem there. (laughs) Again, offense. And the bullpen, I mean, what can you say about them? They've still been absolutely terrific. The only one who struggled really of late, believe it or not, has been Michael King, and he even had a bounce-back outing today to finish the game. But before today, he had a few outings where he was struggling, but he'll figure it out. I have no doubt about that. I had no doubt that today he was going to actually pitch a scoreless ninth, and he did. I thought he was finally going to have a nice bounce-back outing. He did. I'm not worried about him. He has great stuff. As long as he's healthy, I believe he'll be okay. But the pen is still the best in the sport. The only bullpen, as a matter of fact, they showed this graphic on the Yankee Post game on the S Network as well, to have an ERA under three this season. So again, all of this evidence is to drive home the point to you once again that pitching is not the problem. And another positive to even further bolster pitching is that Rodon, Carlos Rodon, is not far from returning after having two effective rehab outings now. And the other one being today. And he even said after the game that he feels ready. I would definitely put him in another start or two. No doubt, because he's, he's been out the entire year. He only pitched one inning back in spring training. He could use all the ramping up time that he could possibly get, in my opinion. So that's another big positive. So, But again, that's pitching. 
the offense is what's dead. And they have to continue to build on what they did today, otherwise it's not going to mean jack. So that's my point. But yes, the pitching aspect is definitely a big positive on this team. But the offense is a big issue. And that's why the Yankees have been doing all the losing that they have been. And that's primarily why they have been an under 500 team since Aaron Judge went down. Because the offense forgot how to do their jobs in his absence. And people say, oh yeah, I doubt it's just you know the absence of one person. But it is. The numbers and the stats, the results don't lie. They're there for the taking. When he's in games, they are vastly more successful than when he is not in games. I've given you the numbers. I've given you the statistics, the reasoning. It's the truth. It may not be believable to some, and yet sucks that that's the way that it is, but that's the way that it is. It does no good in denying it. We are almost 50 minutes in already. Where the hell did all that time go? Wow. I want to talk about a long intro. I guess this is going to be a long show again today. Wow. There's a lot to talk about. Two weeks we haven't spoken, and a lot has happened. A lot to put out there, and I'm fully ready to be called a negative Nancy all throughout the baseball community if people listen to this show and they and they hear this whole spiel of an intro to start the show. And we're a decent way in right now. And if you don't want to listen to the rest of the show and you've already made up your decision that because they won today and I proceeded to do a majorly quote-unquote negative show up to this point and you've already made your decision, and I'm miserable, and this and that, then fine. If you don't have the brain capacity to understand that I have not done an episode in two weeks and have a lot to catch up on as far as the vast offensive struggles that the Yankees have experienced outside of today, then, again, that's a you problem. I'm talking about what has happened with this team, yes, the last couple of weeks since we have spoken, but also throughout the entire month overall since judges went down. And this, outside of just one single day in today, is exactly what has happened. And it's my duty as a Yankees content creator and someone who loves to talk about this team on this show that I consider to be at times therapy for me to tell you what has happened as accurately as I possibly can. And that's what I've tried to do in this extremely long introduction today. And one can only hope that with a good win like today, factoring in that they took a series best two out of three in the Bronx from a really good Rangers team, one can only hope that especially amidst playing two more teams this week now who are struggling, one can only hope the Yankees continue what they have started today. Because again, if they don't, then all the difficulties that I have thrown at you in the start of today's show will be the center of discussion throughout the entire Yankee community yet again. And then all of a sudden, everything I've just thrown at you will not be as ridiculous to talk about as it will be for some now because they just won a game today and took the series, which again is good and I'm happy about it, but that doesn't erase everything that's taken place the last few weeks. It doesn't, whether you want it to or not, it doesn't. And especially if you're me, and you've gone the last couple of weeks without doing content on the show, because Father's Day was last Sunday, then it's something you have to talk about. Whether you want to listen or not, or have the brain capacity to understand and comprehend what you're hearing, that's up to you. But regardless, I've spent more than enough time 
in this long introduction to episode 186. So why don't we get to some Yankees news, then we'll get to recapping most of the last two weeks, probably just giving scores for most of the games when it comes to two weeks ago, and then going a little bit more in on the games from this past week, even though there's not really going to be much to talk about for a great deal of the games, considering how little scoring they've done for the vast majority of that window of time. But why don't we get to some Yankees news, because some injury updates and roster moves have happened, as you could probably imagine, in these last couple of weeks, and it's good to go over in case anybody missed something. But as far as last weekend, obviously the weekend of Father's Day when we did not speak, Rodon and Hamilton, Ian Hamilton, started their rehab assignments, which they are both doing right now, of course. And uh, Harrison Bader played a couple more games in the minors as well, saying he wasn't quite ready to go on Friday from nine days ago, like it was originally said he was going to be. So he took a little bit more time and then came back this past week, as I mentioned earlier in the show. After Sunday's sad excuse for a doubleheader in Boston, which we'll get to later, they made some roster moves, considering it was a doubleheader, and they used a 27th man, of course. They sent the 27th man who they called up for the doubleheader, Greg Weissert, back down, along with Oswaldo Cabrera, that's when he went back down, so that Bader could return on Tuesday, as he did. Wednesday, Willie Calhoun, I did mention his injury really briefly during my intro spiel, injured his quad, he's on the IL, and they said it's apparently a similar injury to one he had a few years back, and he missed about three or four weeks after also receiving an injection for it to help him in his healing. So it seems like they're going to be without Willie for some time now. So Willie Calhoun, another injured player now, and they had to recall Oswaldo Cabrera after that as well. And like I said earlier in the show, that is why Cabrera is back. Then a few days ago as well, towards the end of the week, it was revealed that Judge is doing exercises and some pool work and that Nestor Cortez has begun playing catch. So there is some action for Nestor after he was ordered to not do any throwing whatsoever for at least a couple of weeks after his shoulder injury was revealed. He is back to playing catch. Judge is doing some exercises and pool work to see where he is at. But also, just a couple of days ago, it was also revealed that Judge by himself, actually, he said it to the media, that he actually has a torn ligament in his right toe. And he also did confirm that he still has pain in it when he walks. Now, a lot of people made a humongous deal about this, saying that, oh, I thought it was just a contusion and it was a a sprain. And Well, actually, some people don't know this, and that's fine because we're not all doctors, but... And I even had to look this up myself, but a sprain a severe enough one at least, is and can be classified as a tear when it comes to ligaments. That's how it works. So it's not necessarily like new information. It's a different term, yeah, because the word tear wasn't used prior. So I guess some people could say that the Yankees sort of concealed that type of information, full-on calling it a tear, I guess, uh, which would certainly not be the first time they have done that. I mean, we've spoken about how dishonest the Yankees have tended to be with injuries in the past. But, I mean, regardless, it kind of seems like more or less the same thing to me. So I'm not making a big deal about it because regardless also, I don't really think it changes anything. I think either way, we're not getting judged back anytime soon, and that is indeed catastrophic. Um, 
So I don't choose to really make that big of a deal as far as the differences in terminology or anything like that. If it affected his timeline and it was completely new information, then yeah, I'd, I'd be going insane right now. But it doesn't really affect his timeline. I think it's still exactly the same as it was before. And like I said with the terminology, a severe enough sprain can still be classified as a tear. They're sort of like in the same realm, if you will. So not really going crazy about that. I'm more just going crazy over the fact that it's still going to be a while until we get to see Aaron Judge back in a game because of how poor this team plays without him. That's more what I'm upset about. And with people doing more research, there's been more speculation flying around the internet about when Judge could possibly be back ultimately based on this information and talking to certain experts when they're giving their opinions on this type of injury and how long it could take based on his healing process so far. People are saying post-All-Star break in general. Some people are saying first week of August. I personally don't think we're going to get Judge back until at least beginning or mid-August. And I said a while back that without Aaron Judge for an extended amount of time, that I do not believe this team is anything to write home about whatsoever. Possibly not even a playoff team. Possibly. Especially considering the Blue Jays and the Angels are both right up the Yankees behind. I it's really tough for me to really back down from that stance. Yeah, the end to this weekend was good with today's game. But that also, at least as of this point, we don't know what the Yankees are going to do going forward, and I hope they get back to winning, obviously. But as of this point, when it comes to what they've done overall this past month, it proves to you that it doesn't look like it's very sustainable. Could it be better with... Ian Hamilton coming back and further, even further reinforcing an already great bullpen and Rodon coming back for the rotation if he's able to stay healthy and put up effective starts. Yeah, it does great, but again, that's all pitching. As good as it is, it's still not what's been bringing the team down for the entire month. And until that's fixed, and the big difference maker would be Aaron Judge, and they're going to be without him for that long, and they've proven what they are or aren't without him, Optimism is tough most days, and it really could change certain viewpoints and opinions on the overall team and make you think about what really are their chances for success. And that's a thought that crosses my mind constantly. With his first injury that only kept him out about a week or a week and a half, I was more saying, oh, well, you know, that's, that's a little bit of time. The Yankees can withstand that. But Judge has already been out for about three weeks now. And he's nowhere near coming back. If he is to be out until the first week of August, give or take, that's two full months plus the week and a half that he missed. That's a lot of time. That's nearly half the season. It's at least a third of the season where you're without literally the most important player in the organization. It is not absolutely absurd to say that your confidence in this team strongly declines upon coming to terms with that. It would not be ridiculous at all, considering his importance. And that's all I'm saying. And the social media segment later may or may not 
have to do with this exact subject? <laughs> You'll have to wait and see. But for now, guys, that's really all the significant pieces of news for the past two weeks. The roster moves happening, Calhoun being added to the injured list, Ian Hamilton and Rodon continuing to come back, Judge trying to do some exercises, but shedding a bit of new light on really what his injury entails in that right big toe of his. Nestor back to play and catch. So, you got your mix of uh, good and bad in there, as per usual, usually with the Yankees news segment when it comes to roster news and injury news. But that's primarily what's happened as of the last couple of weeks. So let us continue to roll right along into weekly recap. We got two weeks to go over. Again, I'll primarily just, I'll probably just primarily go over the final scores from two weeks ago. And then this past week, we'll get a little bit more into games. But regardless, we will recap it. So let us go back to two Mondays ago from tomorrow and catch up to today with the recap. And then we'll end the show with the social media segment, as we always do. Yapping Yankees time machine. Let's go. All right, folks, lots to recap, lots to talk about. So let's get right down to it. Let's try to get through this. We'll go back to actually two Sundays ago because I actually totally forgot that I did not complete the Sunday game from two weeks ago, the last game against the Red Sox on that weekend. I was really thinking the Yankees were going to have it because they were winning 2-1 to one when we last spoke, obviously, and they looked like they were about to nail it down. Looked pretty good. Clark Schmidt obviously had, had another really good start, and just to add on to a point I made earlier about Clark, actually, when I said in his last two starts, he's actually pitching to an under-2 ERA. That is accurate. But you know, the crazy part is when I also added that I said he's got no run support, because of that fact, you actually know the Yankees are 0-6 in his last six starts despite him pitching to an under-2 ERA? How disgraceful is that? They've scored a total of nine runs in those six starts for him. Under two ERA. Team is 0-6 when he pitches. Disgrace. Another L for the offense. But Schmidt had done well. Rest of the bullpen had done okay. Except for Michael King. This is one of Michael King's actually rough outings. Allowed one run, walked two when he pitched. And then, of course, Marinaccio gave up the uh, ghost run. In the 10th inning, a game the Yankees definitely should have won but didn't, blew it late, rare L for the bullpen, but honestly, bullpens allowed some bad outings every now and again given how freaking great they've been, so I also chalk it up to the fact the Yankees only put two runs up in the entire game, only three hits in both of those two runs in the second inning, not scoring for any of the other nine throughout the game outside of just that second inning, so big L for the offense again, Yankees lost that one 3-2. to two. And that would result in them losing the series, best two out of three, over that weekend. After losing to the White Sox two out of three as well, because the Yankees lost 3-2 to two on that Friday the 9th as well. They won 3-1 to one on Saturday the 10th, and then lost this one, so they lost another series. Monday they were off. Tuesday, they went to City Field to play the Mets for the Subway Series. I was saying I was a bit optimistic with this one, but the pitching matchups had me a little bit nervous. On Tuesday, the 13th, I believe it was, yes, the 13th. In that game, starting for the Yankees was, again, Luis Severino. He was absolutely horrible. Yet again, four and two-thirds, seven hits, six runs, five of them earned, three walks, only four strikeouts. Not a good job by him. Bullpen did a fantastic job from getting the last out in the fifth all the way to the end, not allowing a single run 
and allowing the Yankee offense to actually creep into this. This is actually one of very few games in the last few weeks where the Yankee offense was actually damn resilient. They actually did a lot of scoring with top of the first while they started off right away before Severino even had a chance to blow up on the mound. Giancarlo hit a solo shot. This is the last home run he hit. A lot of guys, a lot of the big power guys not doing a lot with home runs, as I've also said, with the Yankees not hitting many home runs. You go through any spurt of time where the Yankees have been struggling offensively, and usually in that time, they're not hitting many home runs. I mentioned that before, and there's another example of that. The last Stanton home run coming on this day, this is 12 days ago, and the next time they play, this will have been 14 days ago, so two weeks since he's hit a single home run. And you've also got someone like Anthony Rizzo, for instance, who they even mentioned on the Yes Network broadcast today, hasn't homered in about a month plus. So, you know, these are issues. But Stanton hit a home run here. It was sixth of the year and the last one he's hit up to this point. Then Severino imploded in the first, second, and third innings. By the time that was all over, it was 5-1. to one. Then the Yankees started to creep back a little bit in the top of the fourth. DJ LeMahieu, two-run shot. That made it 5-3 to three Mets. And it was 5-4 to four after a Volpe RBI double. And then the Yankees jumped out in front 6-5 to five after a Jake Bowers two-run single, driving Omegashioka and Volpe. Mets then tied it up in the bottom of the fifth, made it 6-6. Six to six. And then in the top of the sixth, really the last thing of note that Josh Donaldson did, one of the main things of note as far as a big situation, with the game tied at 6, he had a sacrifice fly to make it 7-6. to six. Tip of the cap there, got the job done, and got the run in. And because of how great the Yankee bullpen was, that would secure the 7-6 victory. On Wednesday, the Yankees would not be as lucky to win. It was really funny because the Mets, with the big lead they had in the first game, really should have won that one and didn't. And then in this game, in one where the Yankees really seemed to be massively in control, even though they were down one to nothing at first, after a Tommy Pham double in the bottom of the fifth, off of Garrett Cole in what was otherwise a solid start for Garrett. Six innings, four hits, only one run, no walks, and eight strikeouts, so a solid start for him. And the Yankees put their three runs up on the board in the top of the sixth and the top of the seventh when Jake Bowers hit an RBI single to tie the game at one. Isaiah Connor-Falefa drove a run home on a ground out, helped along by an error by Jeff McNeil as well on a throwing error. So all of that combined allowing Josh Donaldson to come home to score, made it a 2-1 to one Yankee lead, and then in unbelievable fashion after that, and this is what really seemed to, it really felt like this would have broken the backs of the Mets, I guess it didn't, but IKF after that ended up finding himself on third base, and he stole home. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I was going nuts when that happened. So that was awesome to see. That made it 3-1 to one Yankees, him stealing home. And then in the bottom of the seventh, this was when Jimmy Cordero and Ron Marinaccio both came in and just made a complete and utter mess of things. When everything was said and done, after a Nimmo hit by pitch with the bases loaded, and then Starling Marte getting an RBI single, and then Brendan Nimmo being thrown back out at second when he got a little bit too far and then tried to go back and didn't make it back, he was thrown out, so that put an end to the inning after replaying that one, DJ laying the tag on him. So that made it 3-3. Three to three. So Cordero and Marinaccio, both runs charged to Cordero, made a mess of things completely. And the Yankee offense went completely silent after that, including in the top of the 10th, not even driving, driving home the ghost runner. And then Brandon Nimmo hits an RBI double, wins the game 4-3 to three for the Mets. So you flip-flop, Yankees probably shouldn't have won the first game, Mets probably shouldn't have won the second game, but 
The teams that shouldn't have won both won each game, and it ended up being a split in City Field. So you move on. Thursday was an off day. And then the completely embarrassing weekend in Boston took place where the Yankees got their asses handed to them, quite frankly, in a three-game set in which they also got rained out on Saturday and then played a doubleheader on Sunday. On Friday, they did manage to put up five runs, but it really didn't mean anything considering that after four innings, they found themselves down 13-1. to <laughs> So it really didn't make much of a difference. Domingo Herman started this game. He did an absolutely horrible job. And this is what I meant with the last two starts for him really just going the complete other way from what he was pitching like before. Two innings, seven hits, seven runs, two walks, and only one strikeout did absolutely nothing. Matt Crook came in afterwards and would ultimately allow a grand slam in his major league debut, which it really stinks to see this happen with a kid in first outing, but just gave up a grand slam to Justin Turner, and it just got worse and worse from there until the Yankees found themselves down... 15-4, to and the only scoring they did throughout the entire game was in the top of the first, Anthony Rizzo on a ground out, drove home Jake Bowers, so they did get a run in the first inning, good field to start, and then it just came all falling apart from there. The next time the Yankees would even put a single run up on the board was down 13-1, to like I said before, when Anthony Rizzo then hit a two-run double, McKinney hit an RBI single, and then in the top of the eighth when they were down 14-4. to Donaldson hit a solo shot to make it 14-5. The final ended up being 15-5. Not much more to talk about with this game other than those little points because it was a complete and utter murder. Sunday after the rainout on Saturday, doubleheader took place, and it was just horrible. Horrible doubleheader. Starting the game with Schmidt, four and two-thirds, five hits, two runs, three walks, three strikeouts. Maybe not the best start, but still did only allow two runs. So that's really... Not a disastrous start by any means. You just wish he gave you more length at only four and two-thirds. But other than that, you should be able to live with that. Michael King came in afterwards. He would end up taking the loss on the day. He had another rough outing in an inning and a third. He allowed four hits and three runs and walked one. Didn't even strike out anybody either. Nick Ramirez came in and gave up a run after that as well. Weissert was the only one who pitched that entire game for an inning and a third and didn't allow a single run to finish off the eight innings of Yankee pitching from that day. And the only two runs the Yankees managed to put up were on a two-run homer by Glaber Torres in the top of the first. Went totally silent for the rest of the game. No more runs scored at all. The Red Sox put up six. The Yankees lose lifelessly 6-2. to two. And also in lifeless fashion, they would lose the second game of the doubleheader, get swept in the doubleheader and in the series by the last place Boston Red Sox. And just a really bad weekend there. I mean, the Red Sox are a team where the Yankees should be taking care of them this year. They really should be, and yet they're 1-5 after this weekend against them. It's really embarrassing, especially after the Fenway series. Not good at all. The only run that they put up again, just like in the first game, and very similarly even in the first game when they scored one of only five total runs in a devastating blowout, was in the first inning. They scored another first inning run in this game, Anthony Rizzo, RBI ground out, very similarly to the first game of the series. That was the one run they put up. Again, did not score for the rest of the game. The Yankees had Severino start. Again, not an ideal start. Five innings, seven hits, four runs, only three of them earned, so one was not earned because of catcher's interference by Kyle Higashioka. But otherwise, yes, against Severino's line, seven hits, four runs, three of them earned, three walks, and six strikeouts. So 
Not a good start for Severino again. Marinaccio, Peralta, and Canely. Canely, by the way, who has been utterly masterful since coming back from his injury. It's been great having him back. He is a fantastic addition to an already fantastic bullpen. He pitched another scoreless inning here. And this season so far, Canely, with what he's done since coming back from his injury, he's pitched nine and two-thirds innings, not allowing one run, striking out 10 guys. So averaging... A little bit more than a strikeout per inning as well. He's just getting the job done, looking absolutely phenomenal in his Yankee return. Cannot be happy enough about that. You remember how excited I was if you've been following me for some time when the Yankees reacquired him. Obviously, he missed a lot of time with injury. That sucks, but since he's returned, he's been absolutely terrific. There's not a bad thing you could say about him. So, after the Yankees only scored one run, obviously the Red Sox put up four on Akike Hernandez RBI double. Then there was the catcher's interference, like I mentioned before. And then a two-run ground rule double by Tristan Casas. Yanks lifelessly lose and again get swept in Boston. Monday was another off day. We've spoken about all the Yankees off day Mondays recently. Tuesday, they come home to face the Mariners. And like I said before, when it comes to how this past week went, they did ultimately win both series at home this past week. So again, I am prepared for the positivity crowd to just call me insufferable, miserable, negative, after citing all the problems with the offense with this team and how they've let them down since Judge has been out. I'm completely prepared for that since they actually did win both series, and I did acknowledge that and give the Yankees props for that, but they'll completely ignore that part. And I'll continue to when I get to these games from this past week. But so it doesn't change the fact that in the vast majority of the games the offense was non-existent. They'll also forget that and neglect that. But... I'm I'm ready for that. It's whatever. That doesn't change the fact that the offense is still vastly struggled outside of today. But anyway, the Mariners series, this started their homestand this past week against both the Mariners and the Rangers. But the first game they managed to get a win. They did only put up three runs. As we've said, it's been a chore for the Yankees to put up even three runs itself at times, but especially more than three runs of late for the most part since Judge's injury. But the first game of the series, Garrett Cole would start it off. He had himself a beautiful outing, seven and a third, only four hits given up, one run, one walk, and eight strikeouts, and a lot of eights here. Got taken out in the eighth inning, had eight strikeouts, and got his eighth win of the year. (laughs) So there's three eights right there, interestingly enough. And then Clay Holmes, who again we've mentioned in the last episode two weeks ago, and I still, still reinforced now with how well he's done. He is still back, and he proved that he's still back by getting five outs after Cole was done to finish off the game and earn his ninth save of the year at the time, also striking out two. So Yankee pitching doing a very nice job again, as it has majorly been doing almost every day, like we've mentioned. Cole, a beautiful outing. Holmes, a beautiful outing. Only two guys pitched the entire game. That's what you like to see. rest of the bullpen got to rest after what was already an off day on Monday as well. So, again, Cole would get his eighth win on the year. As far as the three runs scored, Yankees scored an RBI double in the bottom of the first by Rizzo. Bottom of the second, another home run by Billy McKinney. Made it three to nothing because it was a two-run shot driving home Bader. And then, obviously, the one run scored by the Mariners was off Cole in the top of the sixth on a double by Jared Kelnick. But otherwise, very easy, very nice three-to-one win by the Yankees to open up the series against the Mariners. The second game also went well. They actually managed to put four runs up, which is an accomplishment for the Yankee offense of late. Johnny Brito was actually called back up to pitch this game. 
People were wondering if it was going to be Randy Vasquez again. He actually couldn't be called up because he didn't have the right amount of days down in the minors to be able to be called back up. So Brito was brought back up. Obviously, the last bunch of times we saw him, especially in that start against the Twins, he just completely lost all command and control of his stuff. And he looked like he definitely needed to just go back down and have a reset. Looks like it was really successful. Because he pitched five and two-thirds, only allowing two hits, no runs, one walk, and striking out three. So Brito looked absolutely amazing in this start. And I really couldn't have asked for anything more from him in this start. So again, just more credit to the pitching and how great of a job they've done. Jimmy Cordero came in after that, finished off that sixth inning, and would pitch the seventh. Peralta and King would both get two outs, each allowing a run, so... Both still a little shaky there. Canely would pitch and get the final two outs of the game successfully as he continues to look absolutely amazing as well. And as far as the four runs the Yankees managed to put up, it was on a two-run shot in the bottom of the third by Jake Bowers. Again, another one of the guys that I mentioned is doing a terrific job. His other fellow teammate that is also doing a great job, I mentioned alongside him in the intro, Billy McKinney as well, hit a solo shot of his own to right field. That made it 3-0 in the bottom of the fourth. And then Volpe hit his 10th home run in the bottom of the 7th to make it 4-0. Mariners added two runs in the 8th and 9th on a Dylan Moore solo shot and Jared Kelnick. Sack fly, but that would secure after Canely got the last two outs of the game. The Yankees 4-2 victory. Brito gets his well-deserved win on the night. Canely his first save of the year. And I also have to give the Yankee offense, which of course, as I've been not shy about mentioning at all, has been mainly horrible. I always give credit where credit's due. They managed to tag Castillo for three runs in five innings and get him out of there pretty early. That is a really big accomplishment. Castillo is a great pitcher. So I do have to give him that. They worked him a lot. He walked four guys, so they, they drove up his pitch count, worked him good, and that was really good to see. And this win did secure at least the series for them, which was also very good to see. And they would try to go for the sweep on Thursday in the final game of the three-game set. And this game was not good to see. To say the least, the Yankees could not finish off the sweep. As a matter of fact, they lost 10-2. to The only two runs they managed to put up were in the bottom of the ninth when they were losing 10-0 on an IKF two-run homer. And this was actually the IKF special that everybody's been talking about from this past week when they were down 10 nothing. He pitched a scoreless top of the ninth and then hit a two-run homer in the bottom of the ninth despite it being a huge deficit for the Yankees. It kind of Otanied that ninth inning, if you will. So that was cool to see from IKF just doing it all on both ends. So that was really cool. But other than that, the game felt over before it even started. Even with the Yankee offense struggling the way it was, Herman, again, who started the game, was just a complete and utter disaster yet again. Three and a third, eight hits, ten runs, eight of them earned, two walks, and four strikeouts. Yankees made three errors on the night, too. It was just an awful game. Four runs in the first by the Mariners, two in the second, two in the third, two in the fourth. And by the time the fourth inning was done, you're down 10 nothing. The game's over. <laughs> it's over. So... Nothing was done offensively at that point. The pitching just... It, Herman has really been, believe it or not, in the last couple of weeks, one of the only blemishes on all of the pitching, really. Otherwise, it's been fine. Severino's had his rough starts, too, but he bounced back again yesterday, the point I made before. So, but again, you're going to have your couple of days in a two-week span where the pitching's not as good as it should be. It happens. But the offense, again, showed no fight. I mean... It's tough to show a fight in a game like this because they were down 4 nothing before they even got to bat, so that's tough. 
So I guess they are exonerated from this game. I'll, I'll allow it. I'll give them a pass for this game. <laughs> so, but this game was just really ugly. They couldn't finish the sweep, but they still did win two out of three, but it was really dampered by how crappy this loss was. It was really tough. Ten to two. Friday. We're almost caught up already. So this past Friday, honestly, with this series, despite how quiet the Yankee offense was, except for today, the Yankees actually could have very well swept this series because one could definitely argue that this Friday game could very well have been won as well. Starting this game for the Yankees on Friday was again Clark Schmidt. Five and a third, six hits, one run, and it was not even earned. You could chalk that up to what I was talking about before at the Yankees' BS load management. Giving Bader a day off just a handful of days after he got back from injury and not having him out there in center. IKF got a bad jump in center on a ball, and it landed. And they gave him an error for it. And uh, it got past him, too. He kind of outran it a bit afterwards, after he couldn't get to it in time. Volpe also gave up on the ball a bit early, really strangely. And it fell in, and then it got past IKF for a second. They gave him an error on the play, and the run ended up scoring there. Now, it was the one run Schmidt gave up, and it wasn't even earned. And he also allowed one walk and three strikeouts. But again, five and a third. Schmidt, another good start. Do they score for him? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> so, it just uh, it really stinks. They did score the one run for him in the second inning on an RBI ground out by Billy McKinney. But other than that, the only other run they scored the entire night was on a game-tying sack fly in the bottom of the eighth by Higgy. So, again, really no run support whatsoever. That run scores with IKF playing center field. Bader, I'm very confident, gets a better jump on that and easily gets to it. So, yeah, again, you could chalk that up to the Yankees' decision for giving Bader a day off. When the offense is starving for production, Bader is one who does produce offensively and plays a solid center field. So, if you don't think it necessary to sit him just a handful of days, a couple of days after he returns from injury, then he could have been out there and maybe prevented that run and maybe even helped him out offensively a bit. But, you know, he's got a pinch hit later in the game because that, that prevents injury somehow. Anyway, Clay Holmes came in as well in the top of the eighth. He gave up a run on an RBI single himself, one of very few runs he's given up lately. I wasn't even mad at him. I was more mad at the offense for not really doing much of anything. They did punch back after that and tie the game, but then the gut punch came in extra innings with King on the mound, and again, on the first pitch he threw, so again, a rough outing for him. First pitch he threw, a slider right down the plate to Garcia, and Garcia made him pay. Garcia obviously up there in the league with with RBIs. He drives and runs, and he did again here and made King pay for that hanging breaking ball. Put the Rangers up 4-2 to two in the 10th inning. Yankees obviously went down lifelessly in the bottom of the 10th, despite having that ghost runner themselves, and they lost the first game of the series 4-2. to two. Definitely could have won it. Blown scoring chances. Didn't do as much offensively as they could have. Got their traffic on the bases at times, but again, only drove in two runs. Part of the the slumber party that has been the offense for most of the games in this month. Yesterday, like I mentioned, they did have a very lucky one to nothing victory. You don't get this often, so you got to count your blessings when you do get this. Win's a win, but uh, not much to talk about in this game other than the fact that Severino, again, really bounced back strongly. Six innings, did give up five hits, but no runs. Two walks and four strikeouts looked a lot better, a vast improvement to his handful of prior starts that he had. Got his first win of 2023, so he's now 1-2. ERA down to 525. It was much higher prior to that. 
And of course, after that, the pitching continued to do their thing. The bullpen, so phenomenal, like we've said. Canely scoreless inning. Wandy actually had a bit of a tough time, allowed two hits and only got one out, but Holmes came in and saved him, so Clay gets the job done. And then Marinaccio, after giving everybody a heart attack, after giving up a walk and a hit in the top of the ninth, with the Yankees only up one nothing, did manage to miraculously get the job done. Marinaccio has taken his share of L's this year in big spots. But he got the job done yesterday, thankfully, and managed to seal a miraculous one to nothing victory for the Yankees. Again, all credit goes to the pitching there. The one run the Yankees did manage to score on the day was a Billy McKinney solo bomb to right field, and that's it. <laughs> so, again, Yankee pitching doing its thing. The big positive, if you want to talk about it, again, pitching, pitching, pitching. Even today. Like we spoke about before, the Yankees did manage to miraculously win 5-3, to three, thankfully mainly behind a late-game comeback in the eighth inning with a two-run double by Bader and then an RBI single for insurance by Stanton, who has been massively slumbering like we've been mentioning. To say he's been slumping is putting it mildly. And he was even really accountable after the game today, saying that's not enough, and that's part of the reason why I love him so much. He's so accountable. But hopefully this is the start for him. And like I said, the start for the rest of the Yankee offense, especially considering they're facing struggling teams coming up. So, again, late game comeback, mainly to thank for this. DJ also had a two-run double in the second inning. They punched back after the Rangers were up 3-0 after scoring in the first and second inning of today's game. Cole pitched, like I said, he labored through a good amount of today's game. He gave up nine hits in four and two-thirds. Only gave up three runs, which that kept them in the game. But thankfully, also Cordero was able to come in and finish that fifth inning for him when Cole's pitch count was through the roof. Cole obviously had a no decision in the game. So he labored a lot. Did strike out seven still in that time, so that's good. Only one walk, but just gave up a lot of hits. But again, Cole only giving up the three runs despite how hard he labored, and the bullpen not giving up a single one, having to get 13 outs after Cole was done. And they didn't give up a single run. So the bullpen again, hats off to them completely. They just did a phenomenal job, kept the team in the game. That was key. And someone like Bader, who I mentioned to be one of the only positives in this lineup right now, the only negative for him is really the fact that he's had trouble staying healthy. But if he's in there, then you could count on him to most likely contribute in some way or another, whether it be with the glove, the bat, anything. And he did come through again with a huge two-run double to put the Yankees in the lead. And then, of course, Stanton would get his hit. Put them ahead 5-3, to three, and King, in his first good outing in some time, would end up pitching that scoreless ninth I mentioned before, earning his fifth save of the season, and giving the Yankees a much-needed 5-3 to three victory after the offense finally showed any sort of sign of a life, which was very nice to see. Yankees grab another series, and now they have a day off tomorrow. Again, kudos to the Yankees for taking two out of three in the last two series again, but my rant at the top of the show still stands with how bad this offense has been primarily outside of this game for the last two, three weeks at large. It's been really bad. Like I said, all the stats that I gave before speak for themselves. They're the truth. There's no negative spin on it. They've spoken about it on all Yankees broadcasts as well. It's a thing. And that's why when something like today happened, where they actually showed a sign of life and didn't look so damn flat at the end of the game... It was really welcoming because that has not been how they've been 
up until today for some time now, and that should be spoken about. Again, especially if you're me and you haven't had a podcast episode in a couple of weeks. I'm just trying to repeat myself with that so I really don't give the toxic positivity crowd any room to call me, oh, constantly negative or miserable, whatever. They still will. It's fine. But that's the deal with that. Really good win today. What is ahead for the next week until we speak again next Sunday? The second, you might ask, well, tomorrow, the 26th, is actually the last Monday of this string of Monday off days that they have because next Monday they're actually playing a game back at Yankee Stadium against the Orioles. So the Yankees should enjoy this Monday off day tomorrow. It's their last one, at least in this string of Monday off days. But they're going to the West Coast Tuesday, the 27th, 9.40 p.m. Eastern game against the A's to open up a three-game set over there. And that game, pitching matchup, is set to be Blackburn against Brito. So Brito's getting another start. We'll see if he can continue that amazing start that he had against the Mariners. Wednesday will also be a 9.40 p.m. Eastern start. Yankees and A's in Oakland. Herman will get the ball there in J.P. Sears for the A's. And Thursday, the 29th, that'll wrap up the series in Oakland. 3.37 p.m. Eastern Standard Time start in Oakland, and Clark Schmidt will be getting the ball for that one. Again, that is not a night game. That one will be at 3.37 Eastern. Friday, the Yankees move on to St. Louis to face the Cardinals. First game of that series, Friday the 30th, will be at 8.15 Eastern. Pitching matchups have not been announced for that series yet, of course. So 8.15 is the first game. Saturday the 1st, 2.15 Eastern Standard Time against the Cardinals. And Sunday the 2nd, just like Saturday the 1st, will also be at 2.15 p.m. Eastern. And that is, of course, when we will reconvene and talk again here on Yapping Yankees, like I said before, this week they are facing a couple of pretty bad teams, record-wise at least, especially with the A's. <laughs> 20-60. and 60. It's brutal. Yeah, the A's today, let's see what they did as of today. They lost 12-1 to of the Blue Jays. That's right. That's I saw George Springer hitting a leadoff home run before. So yeah, 20-60. and 60. There is no excuse as far as I'm concerned for the Yankees to not sweep this series. I was going to say two out of three, but screw it. Sweep it. I don't care how horrible the offense is. Sweep the series, just like you did here at Yankee Stadium. It's the Oakland A's. Come on. They're horrible. And then the Cardinals, although their offense on paper is pretty intimidating with some names like Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, the list goes on, they're still just a 32-45 and team, so I would hope that the Yankees could at least win the series in St. Louis. I'd be perfectly content with that. And then just take it from there. After that, obviously, is the week of the 4th of July, if you could believe it. It's crazy. But, listen, if you want to take a positive standpoint, despite how horrible the offense has been, and I've made that more than clear, I've mentioned the pitching being a massive positive, and I've given them their props for this homestand, despite how awful the offense was throughout most of it. But, I will say this. They did win the last two series, and you got two bad teams, especially the Oakland A's, coming up this week. If you at least sweep them and you win two out of three against the Cardinals, you will still be in good shape heading into a vital Orioles series starting on Monday the 3rd. Because that week you got the Orioles for four games. If you could at least win three out of four against the Orioles, that'd be great. I guess a split will do too, but I'd really like three out of four. And then you got the Cubs coming to town after that. And then after that's the All-Star break. (laughs) Believe it or not, that's really it. 
So if you want to look that far ahead, too, to the week after that, yeah, Orioles, Cubs, then All-Star break. That's really it. So I guess that's your positive viewpoint. I could be positive, too. I'm telling you the way that it is all around, guys. That's the way that it is with me. If you can handle it, then stick around and enjoy. If you can't, then go listen to somebody else who puts a positive spin on everything, even when it doesn't deserve to have a positive spin. I don't know what to tell you. All right, social media segment time. Gave you an open-ended question for today. And I may or may not have hinted earlier in the show when touching on Aaron Judge what the social media segment was about. But nonetheless, here is the open-ended question, especially considering just in the last day or two we received the torn ligament in his right big toe news. And a lot of people speculating that he may not be back until well after the All-Star break. Well, in light of this, and knowing how bad the Yankee offense has been outside of today for the most part throughout the entire month of June... The open-ended question, quite simply put, is truthfully, answer it truthfully, if Judge is in fact out until, let's say, early to mid-August, how would you feel about the season at large? I've made more than clear my opinion. I am definitely inclined to think that this team is going to have quite the rough time without him. They're already without him long-term. They're going to continue to be. I think it's safe to say at least well into the month of August. They are very, very secretive and very quiet about when it comes to whether or not he'll he'll even be back in 2023, period. They refuse to even answer that straight up, judge or anybody else. I mean, obviously they hope he is, and I think that they believe that he will be, but they're very afraid to even just, they're very hesitant to give any definitive yes or no answer or any specific details when it comes to the judge situation. It's been like that since the start, since he hurt himself three weeks ago. So it's pretty wild, but... As far as the season at large, it certainly doesn't have me feeling good about it. I especially think that with the Blue Jays being so close and Houston and the Angels, if the Yankees go on any long losing stretch again, if the offense goes right back to what they've been doing for the most part after they actually had a decent day today after the late game comeback, then it's it's going to be rough, guys. They could easily lose out in a playoff spot and it could get really bad. They could, ve- they could very well end up missing the playoffs if this, if this thing gets ugly enough. And considering the fact that, I guess people have sort of forgotten this just because they won the game today, but when the Yankees were losing, you still had everybody talking this way, and then all of a sudden it vanishes when they win. Because yes, winning is all that matters. You win games, that's what it's all about. But at the same time, people were still saying this before the Yankees took the lead late in the game. But considering the fact that you have all the evidence as to what kind of team the Yankees are with Judge out, they are factually an under 500 team. And if the other teams do what they have to do, granted the Yankees have a pretty decently easy schedule coming up, the next bunch of teams they're facing outside of the Orioles mainly, but I guess having that schedule does them well. But if the other teams do their thing and the Yankee offense remains quiet, it's not going to matter who they play. It was really good that they managed to win a series against a really good Rangers team this weekend. But no matter who you play, if your offense is totally dead and goes back to doing that, you're going to continue to have a rough go at it. And teams like Houston and the Angels, who are only about, I don't know, game, game and a half behind you, and really not falling behind whatsoever, they're staying right there. If you don't continue to ward them off and you return to your losing ways amidst these extreme offensive struggles. If you're that bad without judging, you continue to be an overall 500 team since he's been gone. That's not a good look, and it could really get really, really ugly. 
So I don't think it's ridiculous to say that they could very well miss out in a playoff spot if he misses an extreme amount of time, even more so going forward than he already has. So that's what I say. I think the season could very well end up being in trouble. I don't think that's a ridiculous thing to say considering how the team is factually when he's not around. I don't think it's a ridiculous thing to say at all. And he is that important because the results and the records with and without him, it all speaks for itself. Now, what they could accomplish upon him returning, well, I think the team is infinitely different when he's around. So as far as what they could do after he returns, if they're still in a good playoff position, then I think they very well could make the playoffs. But depending on just how much time he does miss, and if the Yankees continue to overall be an under 500 team, which is what they have been, the season could very well be in trouble and could very likely be over, ultimately. And I don't think that's a ridiculous thing to say at all, because the results are there. The numbers are there. All right, let's read out a bunch of replies, as many as we can, before we wrap up the show today. We are already deep into this one, obviously. So let's see who to start off with. First up is at technogeezer underscore 54 saying, forces something to be done at the trade deadline if Hal is serious at all about this season. No confidence, though, that Cashman will come up with a younger, proven player. Just a cheap reclamation project that used to be good. Well, yeah, the trade deadline is made that much more important if you're out without judge until at least beginning mid-August, at least, which is what it's starting to sound like it's going to be. Uh, if it could be sooner than that, it'd be terrific. I'll even take late July. That'd be amazing, but I'm not going to hold my breath. Yeah, and I like how Hal said, if I wasn't committed to winning, then I wouldn't have brought Rodon in. Well, yeah, even at that point, you are correct about that even though, in hindsight, that hasn't done anything because Rodon hasn't pitched a single inning for the Yankees yet. But the main problem that everyone was talking about these last couple of years was the offense. It's been a big problem for, for years now. We know this. There have been times where the pitching has lost some big games for the Yankees, of course, but the last couple of years, especially in 2022, and what ended up being their ultimate downfall in the playoffs, it was the offense. And yes, you brought back Aaron Judge, you brought back Anthony Rizzo, two very important things, especially Aaron Judge, you see what the team is without him now, could you imagine if they hadn't had him at all this year? Could you imagine? So yeah, those were things that had to be done, but ultimately what people were saying is that we needed differences in offense. Yes, you were willing to have Volpe finish up his development in the big leagues, very gutsy and respectable, even though that has not worked out up to this point. DJ was coming back from injury, has not worked out up to this point, unfortunately, because for the better part of the last month plus, he has been horrible, yes. So those were, I guess, additions, even though they were still with the club the year before, so not true additions from outside, trying to look outside to make some improvements. But outside of that, it was the same offense you brought back from 2022. Yes, Rodon improves the pitching even more so than they already are when it comes to how good they are. Yes, it does. But this is also coming off of two consecutive years where there were two elite shortstop classes. It's coming off of a couple of years where there were some outfield options to possibly look into. So you can't make your claim about caring about winning just because you bought one pitcher. And yes, it was a good signing to make. But from an offensive standpoint, when it comes to looking externally for improvements which is really what people are talking about. There's no real leg to stand on. So I think that's what people are trying to say, Hal. So maybe figure out that confusion along with the confusion of why fans are upset in June amidst some of the historic offensive lows. 
But yeah, a younger proven player. Not really uh not really cash and speed, I guess. <laughs> You're right about that, but yeah, those reclamation projects are usually the path he likes to go down and listen, it's worked out sometimes. It has. But yeah, that's usually the route he likes to go down. You're right about that. At MD Nelly says, got to grind every day. Make a move for a full-time left fielder ASAP. Well, who's that going to be? But yeah, as far as the team itself, <laughs> got to go out there and grind. You're right. The big guys have to hit. We were talking about this before. You know, you're not going to really doubt Bader. He's probably the most important one and probably the one who does the most work, especially as of late whenever he's on the field. But, and look what happened today. Someone like Stanton hit, Bader hit, DJ hit. Those are three of the big guys on the team, and they won a game. This is what I was talking about two weeks ago, too, as I am today as well. If the big guys hit, then they can lessen the blow of missing Judge, and they can actually win games and stay afloat in his absence. That's the only way they will stay afloat. If the big guys stay asleep, I've been saying this forever, they're not going to win a lot of games. When DJ doesn't drive in runs, when Stanton doesn't drive in runs, when Rizzo doesn't drive in runs, even on the days that if Bader doesn't drive in runs, if Glaber doesn't drive in runs, it makes it that much harder to win. And you see that when they don't drive in runs, how hard it is for them to win a game. Barely any runs are ever scored. They're the core of the team, and they are the ones responsible for lessening the blow, the lethal blow, of losing Aaron Judge. They're the ones. And if they do what they did today, they will get back on track and continue to win ball games. If they don't, they won't. You don't score, you don't win. This is nothing I haven't preached a million times. At Sean 9966-0764, you guys got to cool with the, the numbers and the Twitter handles, guys. <laughs> Says, concerning. <laughs> yeah. Of course it is. At AngePat7 says, one run. Are they kidding? This team. Oh, you're talking about yesterday, I assume. Yeah, it was just one run. Got the job done. They won the game, and a win is a win. But yeah, it was another example of the offensive struggles. That Outside of McKinney, they didn't do anything. At BaseballTZar says, I haven't been sure of this team at all this year. Well, I just haven't been sure of them in missing judge. Because it's been awful without him. So, that's where I stand. But with him, I mean, yeah, you could still argue about whether or not they could go deep into the playoffs or even win the World Series. That's valid because even with Judge, they've had playoff struggles. But as far as the regular season, as long as Judge is out there, I'm I'm confident. That's where I stand. Rebecca at Peace Now for Life says, Obviously losing Judge for that amount of time is horrible, but I still have confidence in this team. Other guys must step up and produce. This offense needs to figure it out, and if they do, they can still be a great team. That's what I've been saying, Rebecca. If the big guys come through and lessen the blow, anything is possible. But for the vast majority of the month of June, they have not. And for the vast majority of the month of June, they have been an under 500 team. It's just not the way to be. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty straightforward. Spencer at Musician DMD. What's going on, Spence? He says, if Judge is out for a prolonged period of time, I can only foresee and hope the Yankees struggling to play 500 baseball. Losing Judge is like losing your queen on the chessboard. I would urge my fellow fans to not fast forward to the playoffs and try to enjoy and get out of 2023 whatever little we can. 
For those who live by the World Series title or the season's a failure, Edict 2023 will be a most unsatisfying season. Myself, I'll try to enjoy the season because when it's over, I really miss it. So I'll take what I can get. Yeah, I mean, I guess if they could play even 500 baseball without judging, that would be a W because they haven't even done that. So I guess so. And yeah, a lot of people might say, oh, it's unreasonable to say that one player is that important. Well, factually, it, it, he is that important to the Yankees. And second of all, doesn't mean it's fair. It's very unfair to put that kind of pressure on one human being. It's unreasonable for any player in any team in any sport, for the most part, maybe except for basketball. But other than that, <laughs> that's, that's about it. It's completely unfair. You're right. But that's the way it is with the Yankees. The numbers speak for themselves, like I've said. So all you got to do is look at the team numbers with Judge and the team numbers without Judge. It's not that complicated. So, yeah, I guess just enjoy whatever we can. But it's, some days it's very tough, too, because a lot of days, look how little they score. It's not easy. Today's game was fun, as we've established. It was good. Good late game comeback. At Sean Shalinsky says, not good. Can't really blame you there, buddy. It's tough without Judge. At NYY Sports Fan 96 says, I would say since the Yankees don't play well without Judge, they are in trouble. It's not ridiculous to say. It's not. At Laura underscore Iceman says, It would stink, but all we can do is rely on the other guys to step up and perform. Someone needs to take leadership during his absence. Yeah, nobody really has. I would say the one who can best take leadership in his absence is probably Harrison Bader but it's just a matter of him staying on the field as well and not giving him days off that he doesn't need, like Friday. So, just a suggestion there, because today proved yet again how important Bader can be. So, as long as he's around, maybe there can be a leader and a spark plug and good guy to have out there in center. But yeah, if nobody does step up and they mainly continue on the path that they've mostly been on throughout most of the month, it's going to continue to be ugly. You know, they're going to keep playing overall 500 base, under 500 baseball as they have. Next, we've got at Yankee Ken saying they are below 500 team without judge. Unless DJ, Rizzo, and Stanton remember how to hit, then this is going to be tough sledding. Otherwise, they will have to have elite pitching every night, which is unreasonable. Yeah, you're not, you can't expect the pitching to be that way, the way they've been every single day. Somebody's going to come in and not have their stuff because they're human beings going to happen. Somebody's going to come in and have that happen. So, yeah, those are the really the big three. Like we've said, I include Bader in that because he's proven himself to be that important. But yeah, DJ Rizzo and Stanton, those are some big bats. Glaber too. If they don't come through, it's it's that much harder for the team. It really is. That's really what it comes down to. Said in the beginning, Stanton is really, a lot of people would say he's the X factor. Not just an X factor. But that's the way it is. They got to come through. They have to, if they want to stay afloat. At DeVellante2267 says, I'm keeping the faith. Good on you. Listen, I'm not going to, like I always say, I never crap on anyone for keeping faith with themselves. It's when you crap on me for being a bit uneasy when I have all the reason in the world to be uneasy. <laughs> That's when I have an issue because there's legit evidence for me to feel said way. But if you want to keep the faith, more power to you. I have a certain amount of faith, too, because I never want to face my team not going through good times when it's not over yet, per se. Like, the season's nowhere near over, mathematically. But, so there's always a chance, and plus they are still in a playoff spot as we speak right now. But if you're going to deny that the team is 
in trouble without judge, then you're lying. <laughs> That's what I have an issue with. At John Devane NYC says, I'm imagining the scenario where Rodon pitches and pitches well. Peraza and Florial come up and make contributions. Judge is back in August, but is strictly a DH the rest of the way to put minimal impact on the toe. Maybe Cashman can make some key acquisitions. The bullpen continues to be the best in Major League Baseball. The lineup gets hot. There is veteran talent to put runs up on the board. The potential is there. It's a lot of ifs, my man. <laughs> but yeah, listen, Rodon... After his second start today, says he feels ready, which I love to hear about. His rehab starts have gone mostly well, very well. And they're saying he might even need just one more start. I would just, I'd probably put him in at least two more. I know they want him back as soon as possible. And they want to bolster the pitching even more, make it even better than it already is. Because that would only help to, you know, mask the offensive problems possibly, even though still if you don't score, you don't win. But, yeah, Rodon... That's huge if he could come back and be great. Peraza and Floreal, the Peraza thing is just really strange right now. They're just still not bringing him up, not giving him a shot, despite the fact that he's tearing crap up. And Floreal, again, you know, he, they, they would think that even though it wasn't really on a consistent basis, he just sporadically got his chances. He did get a good collection of chances, but not consistently. Like I said, it was sporadic. But I guess the Yankees just don't really care for him much anymore. And plus, they'll tell you, that in their eyes it's complicated because he's not on the 40-man roster. So roster-wise, it's complicated, even though it doesn't really have to be because you still have someone like Franchi Cordero, for instance, on the 40-man. And you could also, to be honest, probably move Judge at this point to the 60-day IL. (laughs) So, I mean, because the Judge isn't going to be back until early mid-August. Then you could put him on the 60-day injured list from the point when he got hurt. And if math serves me right, that would take you just about to the early part of August. So if he plans to be out that long anyway, and you're not going to DFA someone like Franchi Cordero or somebody else in the roster that you could easily DFA or maybe even move to the 60-day IL as far as injuries are concerned, then doing that with Judge is another option. So, I don't know, but that's the deal with Floreal. But yeah, if Peraza could come up and rake, that'd be big. Judge back in August, obviously, yeah. I don't know if they would leave him at DH permanently because, you know, first of all, the Yankees like to rotate things constantly. We've spoken about that. And obviously you'd be losing out majorly on one of the best gloves in the sport. So that's kind of tough. I just wouldn't bring him back if he can't play defense either. That's just not worth it because defense is also a massive part of his game. People forget that because of how amazing he is offensively, but you'd also be losing out on a top glove in baseball. Trade deadline, we'll see. Who knows? Some people were mentioning Jock Peterson, but you also have to consider, look how the Giants are doing. Are they really going to sell anyone? Bullpen's been phenomenal, yeah. Lineup getting hot, it's up to the big guys. They're the, they're the center of it while Judge is out. So yeah, it's a lot of ifs. But yeah, if all that does happen, of course the potential's there. Up next we got Jen D. Allen 73 saying, We have to find a way to win without him. Assume he will not be back until next season. I'm assuming he's not going to be back until at least beginning mid-August. That's my assumption. I do not even want to think about him not being back till next season. Because if he misses the entire season, then I will definitively say that I think the season is over. That there is a solid chance the Yankees will not even make the playoffs, which would be absolutely and utterly horrible. But if he's back beginning mid-August and the Yankees are still even somewhat, I guess, afloat, then it's still not over in my eyes. But 
you got to see when he comes back. It's just so up in the air, it's tough to tell. But yeah, I do think the season depends on him. It, it just does. Proof is right there on the record. At Benedet11D says, Enough talent to still win as long as everyone does their job. Need to move some dead weight, but I guess that's an off-season move. Oh God, if dead weight's like Donaldson, I don't want him here for the rest of the year. My God. I don't think he'll be here for the rest of the year. I do think the DFA is probably a little bit closer than some think. But but yeah, because they, they have managed to find success with IKF in the utility role. He was part of the dead weight when he was an everyday player. Hicks is no longer here. He's tearing it up in Baltimore. And I did say I wouldn't be surprised if that happened, so I'm really not surprised at all. And now there's still Donaldson. So once he's DFA'd, then you move on. But uh, but yeah, I hope that doesn't end up being an off-season move. Everybody's got to do their jobs, though. You're right. The key pieces. DJ, Rizzo, Stanton, Bader, Glaber. These guys, yeah, they got to do it. The one I believe in the most is Bader, as I said, so... At Illicit Whiskey says, the season is over. The offense is dead without Judge, and the defense suffers as well. I don't see Cashman making any big moves at the deadline, even for a rental. Yeah, the deadline's up in the air. Who knows? But listen, it's not outrageous to say this, that if Judge misses most of, or even the rest of the season, it's not ridiculous to think this about the season. It's, it's Judge is the centerpiece. Spencer described it very well. He's the queen on the board. So... And it's, there's no lie. The offense dead without him the vast majority of the time. Obviously, they're going to run into their good days here and there. It's impossible not to. But the vast majority of the time, yeah, very quiet. Especially if the big guys don't do their job. The ones who are expected to take over in his absence. And yeah, I'm glad you mentioned it because a lot of people forget this. Like a few replies ago, you're missing out on that defense too. Think of Judge's defense, how important it is. At CZ October 25 says their playoff chances drop immensely. Oh yeah, everything drops immensely without him, no doubt. No doubt. At Michael Eddy 6 says, They can't average two runs a game and expect to do much. Certainly not catch the Rays or Orioles the way they're playing. If Judge is out another two months, wait till next year. Wait, they're averaging three runs a game as far as coming into today. Probably went up ever so slightly today since they scored five in today's game. But yeah, coming into today, they were scoring three runs per game since the beginning of June. June 4th, I believe which is the first game without Aaron Judge. So, yeah, I don't think you're catching the Rays the Orioles regardless at this point, especially since Judge is going to be out for at least a while longer, and God knows how much higher up they're going to be at that point, especially not the Rays. You want to give a case for the Orioles? Fine, I guess maybe a little bit, but even I don't think that's plausible at this point. I just try to fight for the wild card as best as possible, just get into the second or third one. That's my viewpoint. But yeah, another two months... (laughs) Like the end of August, even into September, that'd be really tough being without Judge for that long. At Letitia 22930913 says, I would not feel very good unless Cashman made a move to get someone who can hit for average. Even if you get someone who hits for average, it, it still wouldn't necessarily be replacing someone like Aaron Judge. It's just tough. You need Judge there if you plan on doing anything. You just do. You need Judge there. There's no getting around it. All right, let's do a couple more. Up next, let's do at AllieBear29 saying, I'm just worried by the fact that most of the guys you'd expect to step up haven't. I'm happy with the unexpected contributions from McKinney and Bowers, but where are Rizzo, DJ, Stanton, etc.? Yeah, that's the real problem, like I said. 
All the X factors for when Judge is not around have not been coming through. Rizzo's been having some better swings lately. I mentioned that earlier. DJ has been putting some good swings on some balls every once in a while the last month or so, but has on the whole massively struggled, yes. And outside of the hit today, Stanton, again, coming into today, 6 for 55, has not hit a home run in about two weeks. The X-Factors have not been doing much, and that has been a main reason for the offensive woes. You said it. It's what we've been all saying. And yes, you love when you get unexpected contributions from guys like McKinney and Bowers, as I've said. That is what's happened. But it's not sustainable long-term. None of what's happened is. You're going to need the key guys, the expected leaders and judges' absence to come through. Otherwise, nothing's going to happen for you long-term. It's not sustainable. All right, final two as per usual. First up is my girlfriend, Vic Salimo. She says, I think this team has proved time and time again that they do not know how to hold it together without Judge, and that just cannot happen. Even when Judge comes back, he will need time to get his groove back, probably. So if they don't get it together, they can forget the playoffs. Cashman, Hal, and Boone are delusional if they think we've got a good team right now. Why Hal is confused about why fans are upset is beyond me. He's clueless. As long as their mindset doesn't change, this team will never win. We need a winner's mentality. Make the Yankees great again. Strong statement, babe. But yeah, listen, I said how utterly preposterous it is that Hal is confused as to why fans are upset just because it's June. Amidst them experiencing historic offensive lows, so it's a ridiculous statement and a completely tone-deaf statement to make on his behalf, absolutely, especially considering the fact that it was even earlier in the week, even before this weekend against the Rangers, when they managed to win two out of three. But yeah, listen, it speaks for itself, as we've said, without Judge. It does. And the big guys have to come through, and even when Judge does come back, yeah, I mean, if he doesn't get enough rehab games under his belt... Or just in general, even if he does, it might take some time to readjust again, or it might not. I'm inclined to think that it actually might not because it's Aaron Judge. But it's not ridiculous to say that it might because he'll have missed a lot of time by then. It's a lot of time not being in the regular routine and and seeing live pitches and facing live hitters and being in real games that count. It's a long time. So yeah, you're not wrong for saying that. But yeah, it's tough to argue with much of that. All right, let's finish up with my mom, Julia Gina Scudero, as always. She says, I'm sure most people already said the same by now in the podcast. I don't think this team will make the playoffs because of Judge's absence. Sadly, this team is made of only one person. The front office, starting with Steinbrenner, not thinking there's anything wrong with the performance of this team. Oh, by the way, guys, we haven't won a World Series since 09. Are these guys complete idiots? I'm sick of these players. I'm disgusted at how they're playing now when they're most truly needed. They have no abilities when it matters most. Stanton, Rizzo, Volpe, so many of the big guys tired of you. Give me your salary and I'll go out and swing the bat just as badly as you do. Cut these salaries when they don't perform and let's see them playing the way they should. That's what I think. Well, that last part, if you want to see a strike take place and the sport never played again, then yes, you could do that. (laughs) Truth of the matter is, guys, that'll never happen. The owners have created a monster with paying certain players absurd contracts and the players' union is amongst the strongest, probably the strongest in sports, so they will never allow anything like that. But that's another discussion for another day. That can never happen. It's a fun thing to think about, I guess, if you're that frustrated, but it's never going to happen. So that just keep dreaming about that, Mom. <laughs> but uh, I, the, I'll swing the bat as badly as you do. That's funny. But yeah, Volpe, I don't know if I put as much pressure on him as the others. Yeah, I definitely think that we've seen a lot of ugly times from him. And even though my patience hasn't run out with him yet, still... Um, 
it's tough to watch because it looks like it's just a kid that's kind of lost out there a lot of the time. Uh, again, he did get that big hit that started the eighth inning rally today. That was awesome. But yeah, it's, it's tough to watch at times. I more put the blame on the experienced veterans who were there being the real center of the team in Judge's absence. Like you said, Stanton, Rizzo, and even adding guys like DJ there. And if Glaber slows down and a lot of those, those other guys, Bader too, outside of just being unhealthy, though he's done well with the bat and helped out things like he did today. But yeah, it's, it's on those guys. If they don't perform, then what you've mostly seen is going to continue. You're correct about that. So, yeah, it's tough to argue with anything here. The team is made of one person. That's really what it seems like with the exception of just some games here and there because not much life is seen. It's tough. But in Judge's absence, especially if it continues even later than like mid-August or so, if it's into September, then that's... I really can't blame people for saying that they might miss a playoff spot because in that case, I'm inclined to agree with them. Because again, the numbers and the results without Judge speak for themselves. That's really all we could say at this point, I guess. But thank you for the reply, Mom. Thank you all for the replies. And thank you all for going through yet another marathon of a Yapping Yankees episode. You guys are saints. I know a bunch of episodes in a row now have been so long. I'm really trying to shorten them. But this one I assumed was going to be long because we haven't spoken in a couple of weeks. And there was just so much to talk about, so much to get through. So this time, I'm really not that surprised that we've managed to be around two hours yet again for episode 186 here today. And speaking of episode 186, that is all the time that we do have for today, my friends. If you do not follow me on all social medias, really quick reminder, be sure to follow me across all the platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Facebook is Mike Scudero NY. Twitter is at Mike Scudero, and Instagram is MikeScuds97. Subscribe to all four platforms Yapping Yankees is available on. That is YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Show your love across all four of them, as you all do such a great job at always doing, my good people. And if you've missed any Yapping Yankees episodes, well, you can listen back to any of them that you'd like. Episodes 34 up to today's episode are all available on YouTube. And every Yapping Yankees episode ever, going back four years ago to the very first one all the way to today, are all available on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Once again, though, I thank you 3,000 for listening to me yap today. As always, my friends, I have been your host, Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday, July 2nd, when I come at you with episode 187 of Yapping Yankees. It'll be another new month. It's crazy that July's around the corner. Absolutely crazy. But until then, guys, you know the deal, especially when it comes to the Yankees. Hang in there. Be patient. Stay safe. Look out for your loved ones. Kick life's ass this week, my friends, as always. And let's just hope the Yankees can build on these last couple of series, I guess. When it comes to the Mariners and the Rangers winning the series against them, like I said, they got a few bad teams coming up here over the course of the next few weeks, so they got to take advantage of that. Big guys, the keys in the middle of the lineup have got to come through if the offensive woes are to come to an end. That's basically the main point we have arrived at, been arriving at for some time, even amidst all of the discussion, whether it be from a positive standpoint or a negative standpoint. That's what it comes down to. Pitching's got to keep doing the great job that it's been doing. And with the hitters, the main guys, the key guys in the middle of all the action, the main ones who are expected to take over in Judge's absence, they've got to get back to hitting. Build on what happened today. Get back on track. And 
let's actually try to be a 500 team at least without Aaron Judge. Let's get there first, huh? 7-10 and 10 since he went down. Not nearly good enough. Have to do better than that if you have any hopes of staying afloat and even getting to the playoffs at this point, to be honest. Let's get back on track. Give people any sort of hope that they can get that this team could actually accomplish something without Aaron Judge, which is doubtful at this point based on what we've seen, but who knows if things, things could change. I personally am not sure they will, but anything could happen. Plenty of season left to go, as we know. But let's start with one step at a time. Kill the A's Tuesday through Thursday. Win the series against the Cardinals. Let's take it from there. All-star break at that point is not far after that. After series with the Orioles and the Cubs, I believe we said. Just do the best you can. That's all I ask. And don't look flat doing it. One step at a time, I guess. That's the most optimistic I can really say at this point with a team that is factually under 500 without their most important player. Let's see what happens this week. The ultimate test continues, friends. And we'll be back next Sunday when it's officially July on the 2nd to talk about it again right here on Yapping Yankees, my friends. Until then, take care, and let's go Yanks. Yanks.